0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, Member FDIC.
1: Welcome to the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Tuesday, September fifteenth. Joining us today to talk thing, talk all things LAFC. We got the one and only Vince Larosa. Vince, how you doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. I, I hope I'm not talking out of school. I know we have to do this via Zoom, but I actually got to see you in person the other day. That was kind of weird, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, if I, I know. If we we have we, we, been running into each other at the LAFC games, you know. And I've been wanting to, to have you on the podcast. And I see I saw your picture earlier today on Twitter. I think that's a Juventus uh, jersey you're wearing. You know it. There you go. Big. I got to represent today. Yeah. And, uh, Weston McKinney's there with Ronaldo, which is uh really exciting. Uh, if you're a yeah, US men's national fan. I,
0: I, so I'm on the, I'm on the fence about Weston McKinney. And I know this wasn't what we were going to talk about, but uh, no, totally uh, since funny. you brought it up, um, you know, I've watched him play some games and I haven't always loved him, but he was really good in the restart, but he was really good for a really bad team. So I'm excited to see what he does for Juventus because he has a profile of a player they need. Uh, but, I think you got to, you know, like you brought it up right off the top. A U.S. national team player on Juventus has got to be the most exciting thing. Whether he succeeds or fails, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and just his name attached with Ronaldo just, uh, you know, just just boosts him up even more. He's been getting a lot more attention. Um, but enough about that. Um, obviously, I want to get into your story. Um, obviously, you were with LAFC since the start. So can you tell us, like, how you got involved with the team? Like, how long you had been covering uh, soccer? And then uh, just your experience while you were with LAFC.
0: Yeah, man, I took kind of a long route to to get to cover soccer. And it's something I always wanted to do. Uh, but as you know, it's it's not always easy to, to kind of get in. Um, it's one thing to get in and get your credential. That's hard enough. Uh, it's another thing to get in and actually work uh, for a club. So I started uh, working for, you know, just a blog. Um, and luckily, it was in the, the early days of, of MLS, um, where, you know, they were very accommodating for a new starting out blog. And I one of the, actually, the first games I covered was Cheap, Cheapest USA, of all things. Like, <laughs> I, think it, I think it was Cheapest USA versus Houston. Nice. Um, and so that, that's kind of a weird workaround. But because of the time, um, obviously, if Cheapest USA is around, there's no LAFC. Because of the time, like, they, they mm. wanted me to cover the Galaxy. So I actually covered a lot of the Galaxy. I covered uh, two MLS Cups uh, when, they, when they won back-to-back. Um, and I just wrote. And I, you know, I did that while I was going to school. Um, and then I got out of school and I, I kind of stopped doing that because I had to kind of just find jobs to, to make ends meet. Uh, but it was always applying, man, trying to get my foot in the door everywhere I could. And one of the first ways I got in was uh, Fox sports West. Nice. So they don't have any soccer coverage. So obviously, you know, I, and I love other sports too, you know, and they, when I got there, unfortunately they had already lost the Lakers already lost the Dodgers. So it was just Clippers, Kings, ducks, angels. Um, and I did, you know, digital work for them as much as I could. I was there for two years and somebody that worked there knew Richard Roscoe of all people. And, uh, he told me, he saw what he saw on my desk was just an LAFC, um, magnet, you know, the big magnet with the logo. Yeah. And he was like, Hey, Hey man, you should, you should go work there. And I was like, Hey, I was like, dude, we're in the middle of like the office. I don't know. If I like, it felt weird. Cause I was like, it, it feels weird to talk about other jobs when yeah, yeah. you're working one. Right he's like no man it's cool like totally go he's like hit up my friend so i hit up rich um and he was like hey man yeah we do have an opening um you know if you do digital that's great but also like we really need someone that can write well and i know a lot of people don't enjoy writing i was like man i went to journalism school like that's my jam i could totally do it i'm
1: in sign me up
0: yeah i'm in dude and we hit it off really well but even then it still took like month for everything to be settled. Um and and then I started uh literally January first, twenty eighteen. So the year that they were coming in. Like I already knew I was gonna be there before the expansion draft, but I didn't start till the first and then just, you know, kinda ran with it. Um and you know it it was the best time. Obviously it's it's come to an end with LAFC and now with uh doing some correspondent work with 110 football and with Golteca. Uh but you know it's it was a great time and there's no hard feelings because Covid, man. I mean, there was there was just nothing you could do, and I was unfortunately kind of one of those cuts.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate. How many how many people did, did they let go?
0: I don't know the exact number, but it was more. I mean, it was more than like a handful. So they you know they they had to you know make some some tough decisions. Some friends of mine, yeah. Obviously, we're, we're in those decisions, and some people are are left behind. So it's it's tough, man.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, but I'm glad to see you still at the games and still covering. Um, um, still covering LAFC because you do a great job. Yeah, I remember when I first, you know, I kept running into you, uh, Um, you know, at the, you know, at the practices and everything. And, you know, of everything you've done, you're obviously one of the coolest people at LAFC, you know, always like super cool, super chill, and obviously very knowledgeable. That's why I also want to have you on here. Um, just a few things. What like what what stood out to you about the club? Because you saw you saw it from the start, right? So you saw like the 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 fan bases and stuff. And shout out to Rich. Rich is Rich Rich is an amazing person, super helpful. Um, so talk to us uh, just a little bit about the start, like how you saw like because you obviously cover a lot of people that cover LFC now or work for LFC used to work for galaxy. Right. So you seen the fan base and you seen that, did you ever imagine that it would get to the point that it is now like in Los Angeles and being like a, a favorite team?
0: Yeah, it was crazy. So obviously from day one, you would see like, even at the expansion draft, there were supporters there and that was really cool, but it, you could only get so many into the smaller spaces. Right. So yeah. you'd see like 20 or you'd see like a hundred and you're like, man, this is really great. And that's something that we weren't used to in MLS, even that small of a group. Um, and then I remember the, the game where it was like a watch party where we basically opened the stadium for people to come and watch while they were in Montreal. But it was the first time a lot of people could see the inside of the stadium. Uh, and we had, you know, a couple hundred and it was like, wow. So there's even more people that really want to be here and be passionate. And they cheered through the whole game. And then opening night was like the night where we were like man, what if nobody shows up? I mean, we knew that the tickets were sold out, but it's still, you know, against uh, Against the
1: Sounders, the Sounders?
0: Yeah, against the Sounders, it's LA. Like people might not show up, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just the way that things happen or or they'll show up at halftime. I don't know, we didn't know. Um, And then uh, I got there really early and to see a ton of people already there really early Uh, and then they were passionate, you know, they had the smoke, they had the march to the match. Um, That was when it was like, oh, okay this is something really, really special. Uh, It's something different. Uh, And that to me is kind of where it stands apart. I mean, there's, look, you got to give credit to the Sounders and the Timbers um, and and Atlanta United. They, they have a a very dedicated fan base, but it raised another level um, and it became much more. And I don't want to sound like a Euro snob, but much more kind of European a little bit in the, in, in its support, obviously 3252 have a, a lot of South American flair too, but, that vibe of like, we show up here early. Um, yeah. We, we, like I talked to those guys, they barely get to see the game because they're busy cheering so much. Like yeah, they don't know yeah. what's going on Yeah, um, because they cheer through when the team gets scored on, they cheer when the team gets, when the team scores goals, like if they stay up, um, that translated, honestly, uh, and you saw it coming like to, to the practice facility that translated to the soccer side too, because you know, that training facility is top of the line. Yep. The guys get get meals there. They get taken care of the way you know a professional side is. Obviously, we see, you know, if you watch like the the um, the Tottenham documentary on Amazon, like that's even another step up, yeah, right? that's just amazing and incredible. But for MLS, man, they keep raising the game, and now we see all these. It's funny to see all these new training facilities get built because they all kind of look somewhat eerily similar to the LAFC training facilities.
1: Yeah, they they're doing a state of the art too, and the way they've. They've done it in just a short amount of period and just seeing the passion, you know, with the fan base. So I think that props to LAC from what they've done. You know, obviously you you being a part of that because um, you did like you did everything. You you wrote articles, you helped with video, um, a bunch of different things. So obviously being with the, with the team, you got you got like the ins and outs and everything. You know, you knew news before. Obviously, you weren't able to share that then yeah. now, now you, you, now you're able to obviously, but I don't know how much you're, you're still in the loop. Um, but like, I want to get into, uh, into the game, uh, into LAFC, right? So you, we just talked about their fan base. Um, yes. I think it's um, obviously LAFC in, the, uh, in this uh, restart, they, they went to two out of six, you know, they won two games out of six, been a, the, probably the most difficult stretch LAFC in their, you know, short history have gone through, Um and a lot of that, you know, I feel like fans have lost patience, you know, um, because this is a fan base is so used to winning that I think they're not used to what's been going on. And, you know, some people, you know, they've gone on Twitter, they've gone on social media, they wanted, you know, they don't, they, you know, you, you know what, you know, what the, you read out there, they want new changes here, left and right. And to me, I just, I just find it uh, uh, astonishing a little bit because it's how passionate the fan base, but it also reminds me that, when you put such expectations so high and you're not meeting those expectations especially when you're in a bigger city like LA the people are going to let you know but I want to know how how do you see it
0: you know it it, it's tough for me and I like look I like every once in a while I'll hop on there and I'm like yo let's battle because I'm in the mood to to spar with some people and fight because I see the same stuff you do man and I it makes me laugh sometimes Mm because on one hand they're so passionate um and they're also very knowledgeable but they can't seem to mix them in the, in the right way. Like they're seeming to get the chemistry just a little bit wrong. Cause I'll get people that tell me, you know, if this was Barca around Madrid, their coach might be fired. And maybe that would be so, but keep in mind, if you, if you're going to bring up Barca and Real Madrid, I would say one, sometimes they fire coaches incorrectly. Like yeah. that it's not the right call. And two, do you know how they patch over it by spending like a hundred million dollars? And like, you know, we can't spend a hundred million dollars to bring in players. Like there's a level of parity. So it's like, it frustrates me because I'm like, you guys know better. But then at the same time, they they, they let their passion get in the way. So I think sometimes you got to separate them a little bit. But if you really are objective about what you want and where you want to go as a club, the answer is who's there right now. I mean, maybe it'll change. But Bob Bradley has taking this team that in three years time, like I still remember being at UCLA and having the guys like, shake hands and meet each other for the first time. Like that's that's not crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: That's two and a half years ago, man. Like that's so bananas that, and then you go best inaugural season to best season ever. And then, so yeah, there's COVID right. And the team, the team's not making excuses per se. I mean, they're saying, look, there's a lot of factors going into it. That's not excuses. That's just, that's how teams look at the things because if they walked around with the same attitude as, as supporters sometimes, they wouldn't even show up for training because they'd be like, it's over. We're not good. You know, so I think that's something where a lot of supporters got to kind of, I'm not asking you to buy in 100%, but like, look at it objectively and say like Bob Bradley's, you know, the style of play that he created is not something you can codify overnight. And mm-hmm. it's something that you really got to, you, you got to buy into. And yeah, sometimes it's not going to work. And I would even say that through this stretch, there's certain games where we can kind of see that it, it worked but maybe they got a little bit unlucky and yeah there's some games like i would say that first galaxy game was just it was poor and yeah. and, and when we saw you you saw it and bob like he was mad he was really mad because yeah, that was yeah. the one time the team just there was no ideas and then there was a lack of intensity and so there's little things like that but then even you look at rsl you make six changes in the starting lineup yeah there's not a lot of teams that are and you bring in guys that are like 18 and 19. Yeah. you're going to get the results going to be a little bit uneven, but I think we were there the other night and we saw a little bit of kind of what we wanted to see a little bit of LAFC getting back to where those supporters can be proud again.
1: Yeah. I think just to hit on that, yeah, I said like um, people, you mentioned about people comparing it to like real, or real Madrid or Barcelona. I think when you're LAFC and you're coming out with the signature, signature Adidas shoe, and you're putting that expectation more I agree with you. I think people are overreacting about the Bob Bradley situation, but I also would say that if you're going to line yourself up with the, with the Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, you know, have a signature shoe, and you're also in Los Angeles, and LA Galaxy has beat you twice, I think the fans do have a, they, they do have um, the right, you know, to complain and talk about that, because there's certain expectations that, not, 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 not about Bob, like, I I agree that Bob should still be there, but to the players, because if you're mm-hmm. if you're coming to Los Angeles and you say you want to be this team and you want to win this championships, I think that's what comes with it. You know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. what com- that's what comes with it. So I do see the outrageous ones, but I also feel like the criticism. I'm I'm okay with that because of what you're making this club to be and what people have, have, see this club. And obviously, when things aren't going Going their way, I think the, it's so strange for LHC because this is the first time they have experienced it, and this is the first time the fans and supporters have have ever experienced something like this. Because in a way, they've kind of been spoiled of just winning, 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 winning. You know, obviously except the big games, but they've been they haven't gone down this stretch that it's so new to them for both sides, you know, but obviously Bob, Bob knows that there, what there's still 12 games left in the season, you know, Every, all of us understand that, but I think when we look at it right now, and I think some of the players are taking notice, Are like, wow, like some of the fans kind of, you know, like putting pressure on us and stuff like that. I think that's what it's expected in a city like LA.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll go back on one thing though, except the big games, you know, you know, I don't, I don't totally agree with that. Cause you got the Leon come back, you got beating the Galaxy in the playoffs. Uh, yeah,
1: I, meant, I, 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 I meant, I meant, like the knockout games, like the, like the, the knockout games. Like yeah, those games. Like this, that's yeah. not a, that's not a knock on LAFC. It's just, you yeah. know, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a knock. I'm just saying, like, though, those are things where they've come short, and you know, as a fan base, and obviously us watching them, like last year, we expected them to make it at least yeah. to the, to the finals, and I know all LAFC and expected to, just by the season they had. Oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, the, t- the team, Jeff, the team, the players expect that too. Like they, mm-hmm. they have high levels for themselves. That's why it was so disappointing for them. Um, I think w- when we talk about fans and, and the criticism, and I, I think it's fair to say like, hey, the team's not doing well, I'm upset. It's. I think where I draw the line is where the fans think they know how to fix it. It's like, <laughs> they always do. It's like, like yeah, okay. <laughs> like, they always got a way to fix it. Is it? And like you could say, you could say little observations, but when you when like someone like myself or even higher up, like Bob says, well, that's not quite right, and then they're like, no, I don't believe you. I'm like, what do you talk about, bro? Like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't like using the term for myself as expert, but like as far as they come, like I spend a lot of time looking at this, yeah. so it's just funny to me. And I don't ever want to call out a, a fan and say, "Well, like you don't know," because like mm-hmm. I don't. Maybe they do watch it as much as I do. But for them, but sometimes when the things they say, I can tell they don't. Um, and so that that's where it's interesting for me. But I think, uh, yeah, you're you're totally right. Fans have the right to to want to go all the way. Um, but on the flip side of it too, and and this is more pertaining to the big games. And I, I've been going back and forth with people on this. What drives me really crazy is the uh, the way people don't look at certain trophies for what they are. Like when you win the supporters. Shield. I was going to say,
1: no, the supporter Shield is, is something big. And I do give them credit that I was just referring yeah. to like the knockout games, like the no, short, the supporter no. shields and everything, just winning that, that, I mean, they did get, yeah. get a trophy. I was just referring to the, cause I know how big the MLS cup was for it is right. to this club. And that's why, that's why I re- reference it.
0: Oh yeah. No, not a knock on you. I'm saying specifically with them because you're right in, in one-off games, sometimes they've fallen short. And I think what fans have to realize is how much, there's a variance in those one-off games and how much more things are 50, 50. But when you look at last season, the course of the season, man, it wasn't 50, 50, like LFC, were just steamrolling people. Um, And that's where there's some value in having a team that can play for six to eight months and be that good. So I I just, I I don't quite understand. I mean, I get it when galaxy fans want to slam down the supporter shield right now, because when they want them, no one cared. Um, But Mm -hmm. man, it's a real trophy. Like it's a cool thing. And I think, Uh, But I agree with fans, like, you want to win both. I'm like, no, you don't just want to win both. Win the Supporter Shield, win the Open Cup, go to the MLS Cup Finals, and, like, go to to the uh, CONCACAF Champions League Finals, but just realize, too, that also, like, those are two two very different ways to win games, because, like you said, one-offs, man, knockouts are crazy. 100%.
1: 100%. Uh, yeah, and I and I and I agree with you. I think those, those are like just the knockout games we've just seen. And then John Thor- Thornton came out after the MLS back tournament that, you mm-hmm. know, he was disappointed how that came, you know, how they they how they did on that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I know this team is very talented. Uh, I really like the job Baba has done. I think they're just going through a very difficult stretch. So I just want to get into a few different things. Obviously, we're going to talk about the defending. Um, in these six games, they've had 14 goals against and 10 goals for So they have a negative four goal differential. And that is something that uh, LAFC is not used to, right? They're used to scoring all these goals, but they're also, they're not used to getting scored on as much, you know? Yeah. So I think this is in two different ways. Um, you know, I feel like the defending and, you know, the midfield team as a whole, which Bob likes to refer has struggled in that, you know, giving up those goals, but also think uh, on the goalkeeping, which is a separate tra- subject. Let's talk about the defending first. Why has this, why has this club given up so many goals? I know people reference Walker Zimmerman's on the team, a lot of changes. How do you see it? Mm-hmm.
0: I, I smile because you said goalkeeping. And the goalkeeping is like my one thing where like I'm, I'm barely good at it, but I do my best to talk about it. Um, but defensively, yeah. So like you said, 14 goals against. And I think – I want to say five to six of those are set pieces. So right yeah, there, that's just five. a huge Five set chunk. pieces. Yep. Five set five pieces. And pieces are you including penalties in that?
1: So I'm including five because Bob Bradley, I said when uh, they got beat by RSL, I said two goals from uh, from from uh, set pieces. He said three.
0: So I'm including. Okay, so he is I'm, including. He is including too. that. So I, okay. I'm including that's that, I, that penalty. That's why I wasn't sure. Yeah, I'm including that penalty
1: six. on RSL. So it's uh, okay.
0: Yeah, so, so set pieces is a big thing. And, and so this is where I get in back and forth with people about Walker Zimmerman. And, and I don't, um, you know, it's never been my style to, to put players down. I always like to look at, you know, they have strengths and weaknesses. Every player has a player profile. When Walker was sent to Nashville, I thought it was the right thing. One, because Tristan Blackman was coming up so well. Um, and I thought there needed to be a space created for him because he's a young player. He needs to be playing every single day. And two, Nashville's going to play a way that's actually going to cater more to Walker's abilities. Walker is a a very good one v one defender at times. Um, he works very well on set pieces, and so we'll we'll go back to that because right there, set pieces. So yes, you miss Walker on set pieces. But it
1: was also the money deal too with Walker Zimmerman, right? Um, they right. Got like There's, what was it like a million or something in TAM? I don't recall.
0: Yeah, almost. I think it it can go up to one point two. Biggest a full offender in MLS. So you got to, you got to take that in consideration too. There's, there's just so many moving parts. Now set pieces are, are a real problem. And that's where one, I, I, I would admit to people. Yes. If you have Walker on the field for those. Yeah. I think you don't see as many set piece goals. However, you would never have a defender on the field just because he was good at set pieces. Um, so when we look at the flip side of open play, uh, Walker struggled towards the end of the year in transitional moments um, and defending in space. And that's where some of these goals are coming because like you say, uh, it's a team defensive defensive organization. The midfields missed some big pieces, Edward mm-hmm. Antuasta, namely. Um, and I think also you look at it as LFC is a team that's going to take risks, and some of the risks they're taking are not there, are not not the correct risks. Whether it be uh, like Bob likes to say, you know, you play a long pass, you can't counter press a long pass, you can't pressure that, you lose it, and then you got to go into almost like this red alert defending mode. Walker's not going to help you there. So that's where I get I get kind of back and forth with people. Mm-hmm. I will lately I've been thinking more about it because again, I don't want to slam Walker, I want to give him his due. Mm. One thing I think I overlooked was the communication between Walker and Eddie Segura. Yep. Uh, they, walker, they had a
1: really, really, really good bond. And I just want to just before you, you keep going, so Nashville paid more than uh, more than nine hundred and fifty K in gam that could all, almost surely rise up to this says, one point two five million dollars based on incentives so LAFC was um it was very incentivized to get that much off of Walker Zimmerman. so it made right. se- I remember now it made sense you're like wow they're gonna get that much it was kind of a no-brainer especially what you just said with uh Black- Blackman coming in but sorry go ahead yeah
0: yeah it's a little bit like musical chairs a little bit and yep. it's a risk right because yep. you look at Tristan you say he can move there um we think Andy Nahar is gonna be ready and guess what Andy wasn't ready so then Tristan had to play a different spot. And then Dayon actually had a very good start. So it's like, why would you put Tristan there? But to kind of go back to that Walker point about his communication with Eddie, the, the thing you wish you would have had in that moment is from day one of preseason, you tell Tristan, you and Eddie, you do everything together. You're best friends. Learn everything about each other. Learn how to speak a little bit of Spanish. Tristan, Eddie, you keep working on your English. Um, because that's what Walker did. Walker yeah. spent so much time with Eddie. And you could tell that relationship on the pitch made them better than the sum of their parts yeah and they
1: were they were unlocked because i I remember you bring that up i remember them hey like how is it like the language barrier and stuff like that him and segura in the middle were were just solid for lafc and but i think we just don't see that with whoever eddie i think every every eddie segura's like um uh defense in in the in the center has dropped Mm -hmm. because of without walker do you see that mm-hmm. way? Do you see it that way? Yeah, no, I think
0: I think because they had such an understanding. If yep. he's gonna be here, I'm gonna be here. Yep. Um center backs, I mean a lot of your job is covering for each other or covering for teammates. And if you already know where that guy's gonna be and what move he's gonna make, like I know he's gonna try to challenge here. Mm-hmm. Well, I can I can be behind him, or I know he's just gonna hold that guy so I can go with this runner. Those are big moments. Um, and especially when you think about the amount of space behind LFC, they become even bigger. So I one hundred percent agree with that. And I, I remember seeing Walker do uh, a Spanish radio interview and doing in Spanish. Like, nice. and he was phenomenal. Yeah. So like he, he, he put in the time. And so I think that's one aspect of it. And two, something that Bob brings up is you need guys to step up and be leaders and maybe Eddie's a little quieter. Tristan's a little quieter. They like to play, but man, Walker, he he liked to play that's, and he liked to talk.
1: Yeah. And you missed, I think the biggest thing with LRC, you just hit on in There is that voice back there. He was, mm-hmm. he was such a big leader back there. And I don't, I don't think you see that with. Um, we haven't. Not saying that Tristan or whoever is stepping up, we haven't seen it. Even from Dejan, we haven't seen it from none of those guys. They're not, they're not doing the thing, the intangible things that Walker Zimmerman did. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. the voice, making sure the line was correct, making sure he was talking with the keeper and, and certain things like that. I think that is the biggest thing: is having that voice and that emotional spirit on the back line, and you don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get why they did the deal. I just don't think it's really working out for them at this point, but they, they can turn things over. But yeah. I think, I think, you know, all this stuff Bob already knows. And, you know, I think that's where, where it, to me, it's like, they haven't replaced that. And I kind of wonder, do you, if you're LAFC, are you looking elsewhere? Are you looking to potentially bring someone like that? Or are you just going to roll the dice with what you have? Cause at this point you mentioned Andy Nahar it doesn't, and at this point, it doesn't look like Andy Nahar is working out right now. I don't think the risk on him is really working out. Granted, we have twelve more games, um, mm-hmm. but you know, sometimes we'll see him play forty-five minutes, and then we we'll won't see him play him twenty minutes. You know, yeah. Andy you Nahar know, to me was like, okay, he's going to play on the right flank. You know, he's right back. You know, he's you have Diego Palacios on the left side, but we haven't seen that out of him, and it just doesn't seem that they're. They're solid in the back line, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of just have to wonder and ask you, like, do they bring do they bring fresh fresh blood to the team?
0: I don't think so, because I think what they did was they still looked from within. Um, and one of uh, I know a lot of people might not agree with this because they like him in different positions. But um, Bob telling Latif that hey, right now I need you to be my right back um, was one of the smartest decisions they could do. Because if Latif is thinking about where he's going to play throughout the week, that's got to wear on him whether he wants to admit it or yeah. not. Yeah. So Bob just comes to him and says, "I need you right back. I need you in this moment." Latif can build to that moment. I think in moments he was very good against Portland. Obviously, you know he's going against Diego Valeri. Like, let's be yeah. fair to this guy. Like Diego Valeri is amazing. Yeah, um, and Christian
1: Pavone against LA Galaxy.
0: Yeah, and Christian yeah. Pavone. Like these are some ma- tough amazing task. players. Yeah, let's let's not just un- underestimate those guys. But I think that was smart, and what was uh, very good was in the crunch time. In the moments where he did bring Andy Nahar in the game, Andy looked very good. Mm. So yes, where they overestimated Andy being ready to go, like you said, 90 minutes, because he can't just be coming in for 45 and whatever. Um, On the flip side, I think they made a smart decision by saying, Latif, be that guy for now. Andy, you keep building towards fitness. And I think we saw that that worked out well kind of for both players in in the moment. And maybe that's going to be the way forward for a little bit. And that won't make people happy because it's a short term, but maybe in the long term, it gets Tristan to be center back gets andy to where he needs to be where he won't be getting injured again and then you you maybe you know we've been saying you guys want to win MLS Cup you want the big trophy maybe this team's going to click like like a sounders team like they always seem mm-hmm. to do right at the end of the season and then go on a run
1: yeah no and i agree with you just just to hit on that i think if lafc you have these aspirations right to get to mls cup and everything they got to get over this stretch. If they're able to get to the stretch, or when they do, you know, because you got to go through some adversity. This is probably the most adversity this young team, you know, this young club has gone through in the last three years. I do have faith in them turning things over. I think on your point on Latif blessing, I think that was very smart. I just don't. I, I obviously, everybody knows that Latif is best at at mid, and he he's the X factor for this team. He could play anywhere, and potentially goalkeeper if he was a little taller, right? Mm-hmm. So I think. Sometimes when he has, you know, against Valeri, against uh, Christian Pavone, you know, those tough tasks. He's not going to always win those, but you're always going to have the effort. A Latif on that right back. I think it's a it's a good. Uh, he's a great placeholder, but I don't know how long you can, you're going to be able to have him there, or if, if he is the if he is going to be your right back for the rest of the season. Because you're once you get a Eduardo Testa back, yeah, you can have that. You can have Janela, mm-hmm. Mac, right? Well, we or so Jose Su right. Fuentes. We kind of see Jose Su Fuentes really stepping up real well. Um, but yeah, I, I think depending how well, because uh, he has a speed to come back and everything. I think having him in right back makes sense, but I also think you need to have that leader on the, on the, on the defensive end. And I don't think we, we've seen that yet.
0: Yeah. No matter what the, the center backs, both Eddie, Tristan, even day on to extent, they're going to have to step up and really fill that void of uh, becoming a, a leader. You know, I always say that even though people make a big deal about the captain's armband moving around um, you still have, you always have three or four guys that, Foreseeably, are your captains like they they are captains? No matter what, you don't just have to have an armband. Um, so I agree with you. They're going to need to step up. I will share some some insider information from when I was there.
1: Yes, when I was Latif. there,
0: you know, they actually thought that Latif's best position might be at right back, and this mm-hmm. was before they they moved him to to center mid. And and basically, you get Lee Win who who picks up an injury, and they move Latif there. And this is credit to Latif. Um, they move him there because they think he's got some some starting points, which is close control, good dribbler, pretty good passer, um, and, and some and the willingness to pressure guys. And they moved him to center mid as kind of a stopgap. And then he never he didn't lose that position because he was so good. Um, but they initially kind of looked at him as a as a as a very could be right back could be his best position. So um, I think he can grow into it. But I agree, you know, right now you, you love seeing him and that and you brought up the other kind of aspect of it. If Eduardo is coming back in here. The position we're deepest in is center mid because Sifu looks really good, like really, really good. good. Uh, Mark had a very good outing against Portland, so it looks like he's getting back to his old self. And then you saw when Edward got in how much better Mark even got, even as as, as he tired because Edward just balances that whole side. So I think Bob is doing – and Bob and John are doing a little bit of the calculus of getting guys back. It's risky somewhat because, look, guys can always get injured again. Um, But if they see kind of the way the pieces are moving – um, that's kind of how they're trying to to move some guys around and and like I said, I think Latif right now carry us through that moment to get Andy and Edward back into the mix, and then then you start to have a lot of options, and then then Bob's job gets really hard. And I'm glad I don't have to do it where he has to pick the team every week and try to figure out who's my best team, you know? Because mm-hmm. right now he's he's plugging a gap. He's yep. plugging a gap.
1: Yep, yep. And I completely agree with,
0: with you. you. Maybe you get Velo back in in a couple of weeks, and now you're now you're starting to think again like we were thinking going to that Galaxy match. Wow, who's going to get into this team? Like, who's going to play here? And mm-hmm. that's—it's a good problem to have. But I'm again—I'm glad Bob's making that decision, not me.
1: Yeah, no, and, and I agree. I think um, they can definitely turn things around. I think it's just hard when you're giving up more goals than you're scoring, or you're—you know—if you're starting to even out. I think that yeah. needs to change, and when that changes, you know, you're—you're you're going to start to see a different team. Um, I do want to talk about goalkeeping. Um, We've had the same I think this is kinda of like a deja vu a, l- a little bit. Same similar to what we've seen last year. Last year you had I know people on social media were like, oh man, we shouldn't have left Tyler Miller go. Tyler Miller had the same issues or, you know, difficulties as Pablo Susanega and kind Kenneth of Vermeer are having right now. Um mm-hmm. you know, we've seen Bob go back and forth on goalkeepers that happened uh, last last season. I thought that after the MLS SPAC tournament Kenneth Vermeer was this was going to be he was going to be the number 1 and then after Seattle Sounders he looked really shaky he came out way too early and then Bob said okay you know Pablo Cisnegas he's going to get the start for a few games and I think it was against Galaxy where he kind of came out early you know kind of kind of makes you scratch your head cuz you're like all right you know this is your opportunity to keep this the spot and you know and it's it's been very um very shaky right you know with both goalkeepers mm-hmm. what 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 can you tell us about just obviously being there with the goalkeeping do they like their keepers to be that aggressive to come out or is that is that something that the, the, the goalkeepers are doing on their own
0: yeah you know the 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 mental errors have been the big problem and I agree with you Kenneth had he had a, a couple maybe shaky moments especially against Philadelphia and then he had some in the beginning of the MLS's back tournament but then kind of really redeemed himself as being probably one of the strongest players against the Sounders and then against Orlando, um, they do want them to be aggressive. Um, and Kenneth thrives on that, although his decision-making isn't always there. like he, mm-hmm. That's that's the way he wants to play. If you look at the way he played for Ajax and PSV, they want that kind of sweeper-keeper style that, that compacts the team, um, is willing to come out of the box at times to maybe even just clear the ball because um, that's what helps the team and that's what allows the center backs to feel safe. Um, Pablo is not naturally that kind of keeper. Um, and I've talked to him about this. He's, he grew up playing, you know, in Mexico and then he had a little bit out here and then went to Spain where mm-hmm. in Spain, you know, they, Iker Casillas is the, is the God, right. And Iker Casillas is very good with his feet, but for the most part, he's a shot stopper. He wants to use his abilities to react. And that's what Pablo is. Pablo a guy that wants to kind of sit back a little deeper and just react to shots because he's very good at reading angles. Um, and, and, and basically just making saves on the fly. Um, but they still want to push him to be you know, an aggressive keeper. So I think in that Galaxy moment, he just got between two minds and that's where you see him. It, it was just, it was really like, he was like, should I come out? Came out, it was the wrong decision. Yeah. And, you know, he he kind of, uh, he, he definitely was disappointed in that. And I think he would say even um, that goal, Jeremy Obobese's goal, the second goal against Portland. Mm-hmm. He didn't come out in the, in the right way. But then in the second half, we saw him on one of the corners, I believe, or, or it was like a lateral free kick where he came out and he just, he punched the ball, took out whoever was in his way. That's Pablo that we want to see a little bit more. Maybe make those decisions um, where you just come out strong and you, 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 you scare guys, um, and scare opposing attackers. Um, and then just keep getting better with your feet. I mean, he, he's not the best with his feet. I, uh, I know Tyler definitely um, was better with his feet. Although I think Tyler overestimated how good he was with his feet. Cause yeah. he made some mistakes too. Um, but Pablo has got to keep, keep getting up because that's, it's one thing to be aggressive, but one thing that will not go away in this LFC team is you've got to have a goalkeeper that can, get you out of a couple moments with his feet and play a long ball or play a, a, a pass that might seem a little bit risky. Um, so there's, there's just a lot going into a young goalkeeper's head. But I think, uh, again, a, a good decision is to say to him, Hey, you got this next few run of games. So in that galaxy game, Bob probably says to him, he's angry. <laughs> like, don't do that. But he says, you're still in, you're still in net. You, yeah. you can make a mistake or two because, uh, you're going to save us on a game or two. And I think, um, even though they lost three, 0 in RSL, could have been a lot worse if Pablo wasn't in a net because
1: he made some really, really good saves. Yeah, no, and I I, I agree with you on all that and, and you know everything that you shared with us. I think to me it's just there there is somewhat of like a concern there in the goalkeeping because uh, you know obviously mistakes you can have a few mistakes but not mistakes that cost you the game you know and at times we've seen right. that and at, th- at times mm-hmm. we've seen that and it's you know with Pablo it's this year it's from last year to this year it's kind of still having some of those consistencies that aren't good. And then for Vermeer, you know, he's supposed to be this veteran keeper. But at times we see why he potentially didn't stay in Europe because of some of the mistakes, you know, some of the errors he's, he's made here. So I think it, it, it's very tricky. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kenneth Vermeer again, um, you know, because I think right now it's you flip the coin. Right now, just the mm-hmm. way the the goalkeepers are playing, you know. I really thought Pablo Cisneros was going to take advantage of uh, this opportunity. Granted, there's still 12 more games, you know, left. They can, you know, shut me up and be like, okay, you know what? That was just a fluke. But I think from mm-hmm. what I've seen right now, that is a concern. Um, I know they had a third goalkeeper. I don't know if that will we'll ever see him. I think it's Phillip, right? Um,
0: yeah, Phillip, Phillip's very raw. So yeah. I would say he, he needs games and he, he needs – games at a, at a level. So, you know, he was able to go to USL for a little bit last season. That's kind of off the table with COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say he's not quite ready. He needs, he really needs games and needs um, to kind of see those situations um, because uh, even though he, he's, uh, he's a very powerful keeper and and has quick reflexes, he just doesn't have that, that same game level. And I don't, I don't think even though people want, they're, they're frustrated with those two going then to Phillip, would just it would be catastrophic for Phillips' confidence because that's what we're seeing with Pablo, he has no yeah. confidence right now, right? He's trying to build it. Um, it would be bad for Phillips' confidence, but also it'd just be just be bad,
1: yeah. No, <laughs> no, no I way. just I just bring that up because I know they have a third, I don't know if people know they had a third goalkeeper, oh. but yeah, um, absolutely. But I, I do, I do see, I do feel like Pablo has a more upside, right? Because he's younger, I think. Right now, if you're a you're just kind of feeling. You're not feeling as comfortable as you once were like the MLS's back tournament because some of these things keep on happening. And I think it, it's it's just a little concerning. Um yeah. But I want I also no, want I would agree,
0: it, I would agree with you for sure, because I mean and goalkeepers are gonna scream at me for saying this because it's totally reductive of what goalkeepers do. But like you said, you really want like a good goalkeeper is one that doesn't make mistakes, it doesn't cost you goals. Cost a the great day. goalkeeper. A great goalkeeper is one that doesn't cost you goals, but then every one or two games saves a goal that shouldn't that, that yep. is a for sure goal. And right now LFC doesn't have that every, every once in a while has a guy that saves you goals, but they, they consistently need that guy to not make mistakes first.
1: Yeah, no. And it, and it gets tricky, especially when you allow uh your negative four goal differential, you know, a, mm-hmm. lot, the, a lot of that could potentially be from a goalkeeper that can help you out from that. But um, so I just want to, I want to talk, I want to go a little bit more player specific. Um, yeah. Let's go with Rossi. So we'll go with Diego Rossi in 11 games. He has 10 goals two assists. I know, uh, I believe Alicia Rodriguez from SB Nation had asked Bob Bradley about potentially him being considered an MVP. I think he has, you know, he's starting to have those MVP type of numbers. Um, I think the only thing that he doesn't have uh, going for him is obviously the way LAFC have been playing. What have you seen from like Diego Ross CNES play these 11 games?
0: He's raised his level for sure. I mean, he's become a player that uh, when we first got him at LAFC, man, he was, he could pick angles um, He could pick moments to use that little burst of speed that he had to run off the back shoulder and then finish from, from an angle finish or maybe even just square it across, have Vela finish on the other side. And now he's a guy that, like, he can dribble guys. His passing has gotten better. Um, he's found all these different kind of angles to score goals. I remember um, the start of last season he had that goal against uh, SKC where basically one move to cut in and then bend it around the corner. That's not an easy goal to score, but if mm-hmm. Diego can do that consistently, which he started to do – um, he's going to get that many more goals. So I think one of the things that we never think about with goal scorers, because when they're scoring goals, we're happy about it. We don't care how they score. It's a variety. Fell from almost anywhere on the pitch. Um, whereas Diego, he's young. So he's trying to find those ways. And I think he started to add more tools to his game where uh, if he's in a moment and he needs to curl the ball, he can. Um, he can head the ball every once in a while. He's not super tall, um, but he can find moments to not just be that guy that comes breaks off the wing um, and basically gets into a through ball and finishes. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. That was a huge, huge um, upside of his. But uh, I think where he's really perfected his game and and become somebody that like we're all looking at, saying, like how much longer are we gonna have him here before he goes to Europe is because he's raised his level in so many other areas.
1: Yeah. And I think a, a lot of the, what I've seen from him this season, you see obviously the more, more the confidence, uh, obviously in the MLS back tournament, you know, you say, see him being the leader and I, I know to your point, you made earlier about Brad, Bob Bradley giving the armband to different players last game. I, I know Kay had been wearing it, but I think after his red card, I think Bob Bradley potentially was looking for someone else. Rossi was wearing the, the captain armband, I obviously, you know, there's plenty of leaders on this team, but I think Rossi at 22 years old and what he's doing and how, you know, he scored for the team and being productive for the team. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know how vocal he is. It looks like he's been more vocal uh, on the field. Um, but maybe you can talk about how vocal, because uh, he seems like he's kind of quiet potentially, or, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe. You can uh, speak on there.
0: Yeah. I think he's generally a quiet guy, um, but it, especially in the media, um, he's he's not a big talker, um, but on the field, he definitely, uh, gets along really well with his teammates. Um, and I'll share this story, which was actually shared by Will Koontz with Max Bredos. Um, when they were on that bus in RSL um, and Mark said, hey guys, I, I'm not going to play tonight, just so you know, um, before the decision was made to cancel the game and, and, together. Uh, Will Koontz said that Diego Rossi was the first one to stand up and say, if you're not playing tonight, we're not playing tonight. Mm. I mean, that's a 22-year-old kid, that, that yeah. you know, it's this is not right his – yeah, this is this is uh, you know th- he's like you and I like this is we we're sympathetic to this and we want to be a part of the the solution to all this but this is not you know this is not my um, experience you know Mark has these actual real experiences with, mm-hmm. with racism and these problems um, but Diego Rossi in that moment when Mark needed um, an ally and someone to stand up just stood up in front of the team and said you know I, if you're not and I'm guaranteeing you in that the rest were like. Diego, we fully back you. Um, and I know that Mark would have thought, you know, I, that was a big moment for him with his teammates. And so I would say we don't always see the things that, that are that are leadership level, um, but sometimes those stories get leaked out and they, they make you realize, you know, Diego is definitely a leader on the field with his play, but off the field, yeah, yeah in the moments when his team needs him, um, he, he speaks up.
1: Yeah. No, I, I've I've definitely seen him, uh, you know, be vocal like just you know just from watching him on TV and just the way he's scoring, and obviously you know he's LAFC's leading scorer without Carlos Vela, and he's definitely obviously he wants to take his game to the next to the next level, right? I know reports where that potentially the summer prior pre-COVID that he was going to, you know, potentially get an offer. He was going to get, you know, mm-hmm. sent to Europe. Obviously those things have been, have changed. So I think if you're LAFC, you're probably going to have Rossi for maybe another year or at least till the end of this season. Um, and obviously last year they, they, they didn't make it all the way all the way to MLS cup. I think this is a year to take advantage of, obviously take advantage of having him and Eduardo Twester. Cause you don't know what the future is after this season to win an MLS cup with these guys. Right. Um, yeah. I think I think obviously the the market right now is a little underpriced. So I don't know how eager like how do you, were you aware uh, or did you ever find out like how many clubs or scouts were coming out to LAFC to come see Rossi or Eduardo Tuesta?
0: I mean, there's a good amount. Uh, I mean, I can't really disclose who it was just because that was like, no, sure you know, you, know, you don't to say you are not know to
1: say who, who it was, just how yeah. there are many plenty like European, you know. Scouts yeah, no, there, there, there
0: was there was European interest in scouts, and you know, especially uh, when they would be on the East Coast, which is a lot easier for those scouts yeah. to get to. They'd be at games. And I agree with you. They, they, there's a chance. I mean, the, the transfer window is open until October 5th, I think, in most European markets. So there's still time. Um, they may be uh, gone before the season ends, but I think definitely if they make it through this cycle, when the window opens again in January, there's a very good chance. Because one of the things about selling players is you got to strike when they're at their highest, because you never know when that form can just go like this. And now, what? Now, what do you do? You have a player that that wishes they could have left at that time, and and you're not getting the value, and that you just get into this weird struggle that LFC doesn't want to get into.
1: What What do you think his his transfer value is? Because I know what what was Alfonso Davies like 20, 18, 20 million. That was the most, right?
0: He was eighteen million, and that was m- the most. And he has, in Alfonso Davies slightly different skill set. I mean, we. Don't underestimate the fact that Alfonso Davies was just doing this at 16. And that gives yeah. them such a such a higher upside because they're like, man, if you can do this at 16. Now, Diego's not that much older, but 22 is like right when you're coming into your prime. So I think if you consider those two things, realistically and with the market, 10 to 15 million is probably where it is. Although I could see a club coming in and saying 20 million because he's that good of a player, especially when you see mm-hmm. a guy like Pizzi Martinez going for, I think he went for eight. Like just a shade it under was like
1: 17, 18, I believe. Yeah, yeah
0: just a shade under 18. Um, and he's older and didn't wasn't as p- productive, productive. Although yeah. I will I will say going to Saudi Arabia, which I believe is where he went, yep. or Al Nasser, um, they have money to spend. And it's not like, you know European teams aren't just looking to to get players with names. They want players with names that produce. Uh, I'm sure Pity will do just great for Al Nasser because the level's not quite the same. Uh, LAFC would would probably much rather he go. I mean, if Al Nasser came in for 20 million, Maybe he goes, but I think yeah. they would rather he go to Europe because that's proof of your concept. Now European teams are going to say, "All right, this guy's good." You know what, what's he doing? Because just like when Miguel Almiron goes to Newcastle, it's good for Atlanta, also good for everyone in MLS that he does well because now more teams are going to say, "Oh, MLS is a, a real place where we can find talent that will get, that can take that next step."
1: Yeah, I think if if you get Rossi at the higher teens, you know, 17, 18, 19, then it makes sense for LAFC. I don't know how how much they're interested. I mean this right, this transfer window, if it's 10, 12, um, because you're 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 gonna you're if you're selling, if you're a team from Europe, you're kinda getting him at, at a steal. Obviously the market's mm-hmm. undervalued. Um and I think if you're LAFC, you want you want to send for the higher teens. And I think right now, yeah. I don't think right I think right now, just the way things are with the market and the team, I don't think he's there in the higher teens yet.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the risk. Like, let's say someone offers twelve million and you turn it down, uh, and then January comes around and someone says, "Okay, well, how about eight now?" And remember, yeah, when, as players, yeah, it could it
1: could go lower. You're right. I'm right. glad you make that point. It could go lower. Well,
0: and keep in mind too, beyond that, um, as players play longer, their contract wise winds down too. So a player that has one year left on his contract is usually not as expensive as a guy that has two years left or two, or one and a half. Exactly. Um, so that's something important to consider. Now, I don't know, MLS doesn't normally share the details of how long a contract is, but if if he makes it through this whole season, that's now one whole year of his contract less that a team because with transfer you're basically buying out a contract. Exactly. Yep. And the longer that contract is, the higher you can you can usually get fees for.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's true. I'm I'm glad you bring that up. All right, so I want to talk about uh, Brian Rodriguez. Obviously, we're talking yeah. about transfer fees. He came to LAC for 11.5 million transfer fee. I think that was like the second or third highest. Um, you know, he's young. I think he's 20 20 years old. You know, he's key. When, Elliot, when I first heard about him, my LASC was, you know, the rumors are coming out. You know, he was playing, obviously, for the first team for Panerol. He played, I think, in the U19 World Cup for Uruguay. You know, all these accolades. I think it's just been now over a year that he's been with LASC. And this mm-hmm. season, he's only had, in 11 games, he had, he's had one goal and six assists. I think for a player that LASC has, play, has paid so much money, he hasn't lived up to that how do you see it
0: well he's, he's still very young um i would say that i mean he came here at 19 i think he's now 20 or he might be 21 mm-hmm. um you know his transfer fee was based off potential it was never based off what he has now because i i've, I've told this to plenty of people if he was scoring at even the rate diego rossi was scoring for penarol with the other intangibles and in the skill set he has LFC probably wouldn't have been able to afford him, to be honest with you. He's a $15, $20 million player who goes straight to Europe. Now, the hardest thing to do in this game is score goals. Um, and so he has he has a lot of those things, those skill sets that you just can't teach. Um, and he still has a little bit of ways to go in scoring goals. And we saw at the MLS's back tournament what he can, what he can possibly be. And I think the reason why he's seemingly taken another step backwards is because we haven't had the same midfield play. And he's had to pick up the ball in instances where he's thirty, forty yards from a goal. That's not going to be, that's not a recipe for success for anyone. I mean, even a Carlos Vela, but definitely for a twenty-year-old kid. I Man, there's just too much work to do when you have, you have the ball thirty yards from goal. A lot of times he's picking it up in stationary positions where I like to call it hero ball. It's like when you're playing, mm-hmm. uh, you're playing out there with your boys uh, basketball. And, and I feel like he
1: does that a ball. lot, though. I think he, I think he, he does. does that. I think he does that a lot. And just, I don't even interrupt you, but. Bob Bradley, I think after farewell game, he came out and you know he's been he's criticized Brian Rodriguez of his play. You know, he seemed like um, he was saying he was too predictable. You know, he came yeah. out and he challenged him saying he was too predictable that he has to play better. And that was the first time he's ever came out and publicly said something uh, from what I from what I from what I remember talk about Brian Rodriguez, right? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the patience from what I'm sensing um, from Bob saying that it's slowly trying to starting to. Obviously, if you win, it goes back up, right? But I think the way you'll yeah. he, have like one or two, like that last goal for or that goal for Rossi in the Portland Timbers, you know, pass it, perfect pass. Sometimes his passes are off. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think him up top with the three, with uh, Rossi, BWP, sometimes they're not in, he's not in sync with the other two. And, and it looks yeah. like he's he's trying to do his own thing. And, you know, he tries to do too much of his own thing as well, from what mm-hmm. I'm sensing. And that leads to him, you know, being predictable, holding the ball too much, you know, passing the ball too too far out. I and mean, I think that's what his biggest criticism has been on that. And then also, obviously, every, if you're coming from Peniel, you saw what Rossi has done. You know, I think some people can assume, would assume, especially with that transfer fee, okay, Brian Rodriguez potentially could live up to that. I think it's when you, if he didn't come with that big price tag, I don't think we'd be talking about him the way we are. But I think if you have that big price tag, you're young, you you have to know that you're not playing that well. You have to know that you need to be producing well because once Rossi leaves, you're going to be one of the wingers, um, potentially. If not, uh, you know I don't know how much patience Bob Riley will have with him after the season if things if he doesn't see see some pr- more production out of him.
0: Yeah, I think the problem is, and this is a a problem for a lot of young players, is he's up and down. Because that Portland game is probably one of his best games. Mm -hmm. And he was doing the things that, like you said, he needs to be moving off the ball. He needs to be picking up the ball in better spots so that he can create some havoc by the fact that he's so fast and he can do little things, um, but not from 40 yards out, not with a set defense. So that Portland game is, Bob will show him that tape and go, man, this is what I'm telling you. And I think you're right. Bob's putting some pressure on him because you work with players in different ways. I guarantee you every day in training, they were like, do this, do this, do this. And now that they're not seeing, they're like, all right, I'm going to call you out in the media. And I'm going to say, hey, I'm not getting enough from you. And maybe that's a way to light a fire under you. Um, I will say this for Brian, and, and, and maybe it doesn't make LFC fans feel better, um, but in the back pocket is the fact that he does play for the Uruguayan senior national team. Um, and that's where a lot of people get really hyped on him too because he plays with Cavani and Suarez. He's a goal. You know, he assists that can only be good for his value. So at least from that aspect, and again, it's not going to make L C fans happy because you want him scoring like the game winner in MLS cup. But if you want to get your money back, Brian's still going to be very much uh, a, a, a person that you'll probably even profit on a little bit, kind of the way Pitti Martinez was, even though he wasn't that good in MLS, mm-hmm. he's got real value to other teams because they see him they're like, well, with Uruguay, maybe he's just not working out with LFC. Uh, and, and they can, they can kind of get some value in that way. But again, I know that you, I want to see, i Seems to see him scoring goals too but I, I know
1: how hard it is for like a younger player and that and that, I'm glad you brought up that point because I also brought up I was talking with uh, someone else I think I don't know if this is the system he feels comfortable in you know I don't I don't know um because it seems like sometimes uh, the, the biggest criticism I have on him is his, his effort on coming back you know dropping down um uh, we mm-hmm. see Rossi from what I see I, I hate to compare, it, but I see more effort obviously out of rafi rossi coming back out i mean he has a speed he's young to come back you know trail the ball and sometimes when he loses a ball or something he just lets his emotions kind of get get to him and doesn't drop back when you lose yeah. your ball hey let's let's get back i think those are the biggest things like you know if he's trying hard and you know i think i think I don't know if he really feels comfortable in in the sis in the in bob Bradley's system and I don't know if I don't know if obviously you're not trying to blame him here, but I don't know if this may not be the system for him. Sometimes some players, you know, work in a better system. I don't know if you got to bring them off the bench. I don't know, but we also talked about, I don't know how much depth you really have up top, you know? Yeah. Right. I don't know without Vela and now without Dio because Bob Riley has come out, but I, the one thing I haven't seen from Bob is bench. He hasn't benched him. you know, and I brought him off the bench. He's taken him out after 45 minutes, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he does if it continues to go this way, obviously, you talk, Bob talks about, you know, building his confidence and everything like that. But I think you've had like over a year and it, at one point it comes down to the player. And if the player's not yeah. responding and it's not that, there's only so much a coach can do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say it's, uh, you've had a year, but it's been a severely interrupted. Yeah, crazy. Thing, so year. It's not the same. Uh, so he, he missed out on, you know, months and months of, of Bob and I, I, to give Bob credit. The one thing that I would trust Bob with more than anything is how to deal with a young player. So I think, um, if we look at him and we say, well, maybe we should bench him, but maybe Bob has a slightly different flaw. I actually guarantee Bob has a different flaw. I, I think, I think um, he does. He
1: definitely does because he hasn't benched them. So, you know, I just yeah. bring that up.
0: Right. Yeah. That's, uh, we, we've seen the proof there and I just think, um, yeah, in depth is a real thing. So there's, there's so many moving pieces and that's, that's where Bob jobs gets, gets crazy. Cause like yeah. he has to coax along this expensive signing, but at the same time, there's 11 other guys, there's seven other dudes on the bench. There's even guys that aren't dressing. So, he has to figure out that right balance. And I Do think- you
1: feel that weighs on him? Uh, the the that that potentially weighs on him, or like to have him play or start because he's such a big figure? You think that has no? Because um, you you're there, you know. You yeah. know what's goes on. You know, John. I gotta
0: I gotta choose. Yeah, I gotta choose my words wisely because Bob would say. I would say. I would say it probably is something he thinks about. Um, but mm-hmm. Bob would say, I, if I had Bob in this room, he'd be like, doesn't weigh on Of out course, Bob, uh, Bob is not going to – he doesn't want to yeah. tell us
1: anything. We know, we know, we know that.
0: Well, not just that. It just he looks at it differently. Like, for him, he probably just thinks that's just the part of the job, you know? Like, that's yeah. the pressure that comes with who he is. And so, yeah, there's, there's pressure on him because, yeah, he, you can't have a flop. You can't have an $11 million flop. But yeah. at the same time, he has to win games. He has to keep everyone else happy. So, yeah, that's where the pressure comes from. It's, it's just conflicting – uh, allegiances, conflicting ideas of what you need to get out of these things, uh, but does it weigh on him? Nah, I think he just get he just gets pissed off. Yeah, no,
1: I think I think I don't think it necessarily weighs on him, but I think him having such a bigger price tag, there's so much attention just from the media, and Bob knows that. Bob knows, you know. Yep. And, but the, the the biggest thing that surprised me was how, how he, he, had, he had critiqued um, um, Brian Rodriguez. And it was I think it was necessary, you know? Let me ask you this. How much, how much do the players, when you were there and everything, how much do they pay attention to the media? Because obviously soccer is not the biggest sport in America. But how much did you see players like see that or, you know, or they just didn't play yeah. pay too much attention to it?
0: I was always surprised because I thought that they didn't care at all. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, obviously the Spanish guys are in their own subset, so they pay much more that, attention yeah. to Spanish media. Um, but every once in a while I, w- I would be there and like, they knew I wrote for the club and I would get, they would like jab me a little bit. Like I remember one time, uh, Jordan Harvey and Stephen Basher were like, Hey man, you did your takeaways. Not a mention of the fact that we got another clean sheet. Like, what are you doing, bro? Like give <laughs> us some credit. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So there'd be like little moments of that. I do know that, uh, you know, Bob does likes to consume media. Um, cause he likes to keep an idea of like who's who's saying what and who who yeah. knows what they're talking about. Hey he Scott. has a,
1: he has to have a burner account on Twitter, huh?
0: Yeah. Well us. he's admit he's admitted that he has.
1: He does. I yeah. know he has a Twitter. I know he yeah. something and a he lot said of that something is, to me.
0: But yeah. Yeah on. he he's admitted it and he does it. I think there's two sides of that. One he consumes so he likes to consume a lot of media. The other side is Dude, he gets it. He's a modern coach that understands that these guys are all like on their phones all the time. So he's got to keep a little bit, mm-hmm. keep a little bit of an eye on what his players are doing. And the best way to do it is to be on social media. Now, the one thing yeah. I always joked with him, I was like, "Man, well, if you want to do that, Bob, you got to get an Instagram." He's like, "No, I can't." Like, that's the one. <laughs> that's where he drew, drew the line. He just he's like, a, "You so got to get pictures.
1: an
0: IG." Yeah, he was like, "It's just pictures. It's stupid." So that's the one where, where he'll draw the line.
1: Yeah, that no, that's funny. I knew he. I knew he had a Twitter.
0: Um, but you know, there's
1: just certain things that I'm like, he, he, I know he's following, I know he, he follows uh, Twitter at, at least. Um, but yeah, the thing I was just going to say on the media side, cause like in other countries like Uruguay, you know, Argentina, Colombia, like soccer is only sport. So like, like out here, like when we know, I've said this before, we know when LeBron James has the bad game, but yeah. not, it's, you know, it would be the same thing in Argentina, you know, or Uruguay, Brian Rodriguez. I think some of the European play, I mean, some of the international players coming here, they don't necessarily feel that much necessarily the pressure. I could be wrong because their name is not, or they're not all over the news, like how they would be back home. Do you see that? Or,
0: or? Yeah, I think I agree with you. And I think that allows them to kind of ignore it a little bit. Yeah. Um, some guys just naturally will, they, they like to go, because like I said, they, they would never tell us, but I guarantee you, some of those guys were looking at media stuff, but I agree with you. Yeah. If they're out here a couple games they have a bad game. They're like, man, I, I can't believe my Twitter's not blowing up. He's like, maybe yeah. this is the way it's going to be. And they, they <laughs> feel maybe a little bit of comfort in that. Yeah. For some guys, it helps. Some guys, it obviously doesn't help. But I, I, I do agree with you on that. End.
1: Yeah, no, that, that, that thing I, I once obviously, I, as we continue, obviously the media continues to grow just on a national level and everything like that. I think those things um, are, are going to start to trend the direction and you're going to start seeing – you know players or you know pay more attention to to the media as
0: as the sport continues to grow um yeah just, and there's guys like you are there every day like they're going to start seeing you guys that's another thing too it's like yeah. it's always a revolving door but it, like you've been there for the past few seasons guys are going to start to know who you are and I think uh in Europe and in like South America like you know who the commentators are yep. like when they show up people will know who the guy is there and the players have you know it's not like a personal relationship with them but they know who they are and I think I agree with you is, as the media grows as people just stay more consistent guys will kind of get an idea of, of who's who and start following people and, and you know checking in on what what's going on on the media side
1: yeah no and I and I love and I think uh now that I'm that I'm seeing everything I think there's so much room for you know just the soccer content the digital content within you know soccer not just in LA because how much it's growing you know uh, obviously mm-hmm. us be able to commentate on this and this podcast and just seeing the different things that that we do and I think that's that's one of the things that we have as a growing sport within, within the United States. And, you know, you're starting to see more expansion things starting to come out and you're starting to see more younger players from Central America, you know, come out here and play. And I'm, I'm really excited for the growth of MLS. How have you Mm -hmm. seen it?
0: Yeah, no, I I think that we're, we've just scratched the surface. Like there's so much content and there's so many different ways to do content. Like, I think there's a lot more guys that are starting to do like, tactical, analytical content with the numbers. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I think that's really awesome. That's for a subset of people, someone like myself, I love that kind of stuff. Now, not everyone loves that. Um, I think there's an angle to do like um, funny stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like at One Ten football, we do some funny stuff sometimes, or you got the cool that do like more lighthearted, mm-hmm. like cultural. Um, and then there's that middle ground where you do a little bit of both. You do, you're out there, you're, you're covering the team as much, best you can. Maybe you do some hard news stories. Maybe you have some fun with some players Um but yeah there's there's so much growth and there's so many people that they still dip in and out so if you stay mm. at it um, and you really dedicate yourself to it i think there's avenues um, that people can really pick up and they can start to be those kind of kind of trailblazers cuz like you know like i can't even think of like who the biggest soccer journalists are of the generation before I me mean, really it's just like grant wall it's like yep. one person man yep. You know, like, or like my, my boy, Max Bredo. So like, he's been there since the beginning. There's a couple guys. Now there's this crop of people that like, they're going to look back 10 years from now and say like, Oh, those guys were the guys that pushed us that next level.
1: Yeah. And shout out to Max. He's a great, great person. Funny guy too. Yeah. So let me ask you this. If there was an opportunity with the LA galaxy, would you take it? If LA galaxy is like events, Ooh. there's an opportunity. We have a, you know, digital opportunity here. You want to be back in soccer? We got you. Come to the oh, dark no. side.
0: Wait, wait. What is the percentage of LA Galaxy to LAFC fans that you have?
1: <laughs> um, uh, no, no. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out yeah. there. But no, this it's is a just good question. Like the funny thing because you know LAFC yeah. let you go. You know, when I got let go. Yeah, when I let go, people hit me.
0: Like there and i I mean, there's nothing open. I don't have any uh, lines, re- re- Repeat, this,
1: repeat what you just said because it, it, it cut out. Cut it out. cut out
0: a little bit. Uh, yeah. Um, when when I got let go, I did have a lot of fans that reached out to me and were like, "Hey, we're so sorry, but please, no matter what, don't go to the galaxy. Like, please don't. <laughs> like, we know we know you got to work. Um, and I was actually always surprised that like I worked for LFC for two years, I was easy to find, and I never got as much flack or, or trash talk from Galaxy fans, which was surprising because I would see all the trash talk back and forth from supporters group and i think it's because i look the galaxy were our rival uh but i was trying to be as objective as i could and i had some fun with them i would tweak them a little bit but i would never go like i'm not i'm I'm not gonna like slam anyone because that's just not my style Mm -hmm. uh now to to stop dancing around your question um it would have to be a very good offer um and it would have to be something that's gonna help me grow um and even then i'd still have to think about it because it would be it it would be tough for me um, but if they were like oh yeah just write every once in a while I'd be like nah oh yeah, come on yeah. man like no, it's time for me to move on to the next phase yeah
1: okay hey man I'm just trying to I'm just trying to bid for you you deserve you deserve you've been with the club so I was just I was just curious about that so if it comes to fruition or whatever you know where, where it started yeah but... no
0: I, I appreciate that but yeah it's uh it, it would be definitely a t- touchy subject and it'd be very interesting to see the PR roll out from that to try to like keep from getting me because yeah, there, there's, gonna...
1: there's some battles going on right now with you
0: know i'm gonna say that. this i mean I, i'm a fun one to joke around about because like in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter where i go but fans are gonna have to be ready there's gonna be whenever team two teams are good and they're in a close proximity they're gonna be poaching either players yeah. staff coaches it's gonna happen mm-hmm. don't be surprised when it does that first person that does it i pray for them because they're gonna be the trailblazer but yeah. sooner or later, it's 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 bound to happen, and um, I think they'll get flack. Uh, but as long as they keep professional, you know
1: yeah. that, that's this is sports, man. This is the way it goes. Me, yeah, media personnel, players. I, I wait till the first player goes from LAFC to LA Galaxy. Whenever that potentially, whenever that happens, that's going to be very interesting. Um, but we know it's going to happen. We we just know it's going to happen. You know, it's going to come down. We don't yeah. know when, but it's it's going to happen. It happens in all pro sports and stuff. But that's where it gets kind of you know interesting with the fan bases and everything like that. Yeah. But hey, you know, a, I just I just had to ask you that because I was just curious. Yeah, of course.
0: No, dude, if, if Luis Figo can play for Barcelona and Real Madrid, yep. like, I think fans can, can be able to understand that maybe players are going to move around. I mean, it just it happens.
1: Yep, it does. All right, so let's look into, uh, let's look forward. Obviously, LA, LAFC schedule, it's very tricky right now with, with the things that are going on, obviously, with COVID and the MLS. Yep. Um, uh, The reason why, if not, not people are familiar, the reason why the MLS hasn't released a full phase two schedule is because of the Canadian teams. Canadian teams are now coming to America, I think the Vancouver Whitecaps are going to play with the Timbers. I think was it is a Toronto Montreal. They're going to play New York. So essentially, the yes. Canadian teams are sharing sharing stadiums with uh, with an MLS team, and they're trying to figure out travel. And I think you can only travel in your region. They haven't approved to stay overnight. So that's why we mm-hmm. see uh, if we look at LAFC's schedule, we have them going to, up uh, at Seattle on the 18th. They're going back up to Seattle. They will play at home on the 23rd against Vancouver, and then against. Again, a home against San Jose on the 27th. Three potential one novel games. One of those games I feel like is going to be very tough. Uh, I think it's the Seattle game. Um, with everything that LAFC have gone through, how do, how do you see these next three games for LAFC?
0: So I agree with you. The Seattle game is going to be tough because it's, just, it's Seattle. The mm-hmm. one weird thing for me is, like, we already played Seattle away. Why isn't Seattle coming here? And we already played – Yeah, right. We already played San Jose at home. Why aren't we going to San Jose? That. Like It's one thing to play the same teams again, but then to do it the exact same venues makes no sense. Now, I will say this. Right now, Seattle's, uh, unfortunately, just like Oregon and just like us, they're having big problems with the fires. I know that the Mariners, uh, I believe Mariners-Giants game just got postponed for MLB. So keep okay. an eye out for that. Yeah, yeah, uh, fires, you know, yeah. yeah and it's only a couple of days from now, so there, are, there could be some tweaks to that. Um, I do think that Vancouver, unfortunately, has it really tough having to – I mean, look, they're going to play a home game against Portland in Portland. Like, let that sink in. That's yeah. their home game. Yeah. Like that, you know what I mean? Weird. Like it's weird. Yeah. yeah, it's one thing if they had to play Portland in Seattle, but they got to play Portland. in. So it's just so weird for me. Um, yeah, very winnable games, although you would say that, like, San Jose is probably going to have some some aggression they're going to want to get back. I mean, they they flipped that 7-1 to a 0-0 with Galaxy, so that's a tricky mm-hmm. game. That's, like, one of those games where you got to make sure that your mindset is right. Um, but yeah, I think it's very weird. Um, maybe this helps players keep, keep that perspective that coaches always say like, Hey, we're well, one game at a time, don't look too mm-hmm. far ahead. So maybe that's the good side of it. Um, and, and maybe the good side of it is Seattle's first. So go into that game, knowing that that's your toughest one. If you get points from that, you know, that the ones are going to get slightly easier, but look, you're gonna have to still go into those games. So that's, that's the way I kind of look at it is no matter what that Seattle game is your toughest, try to get some points out of that. And you, you, like you said, you travel a day of, you don't stay there. Um, try to get points out of that, and then from there, you you know there's winnable contests. Uh, but you got to make, you got to build, you got to build off this t- Timbers result because if you let it fall back down, you know it's we're back to square one where we are with LAFC not really building off of their results.
1: Yeah, no, and I think and I think um, the the win over obviously the, the 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 Timbers this past weekend was great for them. You know, built some some confidence because if they lost, it was going to be very tricky. Um, you know, for them to you know go to Seattle after potentially losing uh, that many games. So right now in the standings LAFC are fourth um with 15 points. Uh Galaxy are are fifth. They have them fifth right now. Um so do, I mean they just go I think last week they were like eighth or 10th, excuse me. It it shows yeah. how how um how tight these games really are, you know, whether you lose, win, how you can jump or go back down if you lose, you know. And it just shows how 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 competitive these teams are. And, you know, and I think you're not going to really see the team separate until after maybe phase two in the beginning of phase three.
0: Yeah. It really shows you how much like just a win can move you up and down in, in the standings. And I think before last week, the gap between first and last was nine points. Now you just need to be better than you need to be better. I mean, you, you don't want to look at it this way, but you just need to be better than four other teams, right? Eight teams mm-hmm. get in. I can't see the, I can't see either lFC or the galaxy being worse than those than four teams for sure. So I think, I think their quality is going to come to the top, especially as they're starting to get injured players back. Um, but you can't take that for granted. You got to start getting points. Cause like you said uh, you lose one and you can go from, from fourth down to 10th very easily.
1: Yeah, no. And, and the thing is uh, uh, with, with this, there, there's obviously play, we saw the Timbers, they lost, um, who was a player? I think was it was a Blanco that they lost to an ACL. Sebastian Blanco, yeah. yeah. There's, so there's, I mean, people, like you said, players and teams are going through in, injuries. I think um, we'll see when Vela comes back. I don't, I don't know if we'll see him. Um, I, I don't have any news. I don't know if you do uh, about Carlos Vela. That's something we, someone we haven't hit on. I don't, I don't
0: know. Sure. I don't think we'll see him.
1: I don't think we'll see him in phase two.
0: From what I've been kind of sensing is, I mean, not, not the start of phase two, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll see him at some point, but I would say these first three games don't probably don't expect Carlos Vela. Now, after this third game, um, we might hear about him training more. Um, and it, you know as well as I know that these guys have to be in full training before they're even considered to have yeah. even a cameo appearance, like Edward Atuesta. So, once we hear that that Vela has had two one or two trainings where he's he, then he's definitely available. Um, and I think this time though they will be a little bit more conscientious. Conscientious with him and a little bit slower with him, so don't expect him probably to start his first game back. I think we're going to look at sub appearances. Whereas, I I understood the reason why he played in that Galaxy game because he came in fit um, and he looked good in training. And Carlos is a guy that
1: let me hold on. Let me play. let me let me ask you about that. Don't mean to interrupt. It, it, people notice this, and I and I kind of obviously we everybody through COVID hasn't been in you know the best shape, including myself. Mm-hmm. But he did look. Did he look a little overweight? Or was that just me? And I don't want to make too much too much of it. It's just some things that were pointed out on Twitter. And I don't think that was the reason um, for his injury or anything like that. I think him being off from the team, and uh, on top of that, I don't think he he was in sync with with, with the offense when he when he was playing because he's been. Oh yeah. He had been he had been he had missed so many games. I think that's gonna be the big the biggest struggle is being in sync with those 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 three guys. Oh up for top. sure.
0: I mean those those guys have played up top and they knew everything. They kind of were clicking. Um, but it, he's Carlos Vela, so it's hard to be like, mm-hmm. okay, we're not gonna use Carlos Vela. Um, from the first physique perspective, look, Carlos is not one of those footballers that like he's not a Cristiano Ronaldo. Like he takes his shirt off and you're just like, Yo, he's cut. Like he's never been that guy really. Um, but what he does have is he has a, a certain level of, of football fitness um, and a certain level of football know-how. Like, Carlos can go into a game 60 minutes fit and play 90 minutes because he knows how to pick his mm-hmm. spots. Um, so I don't think he looked any different physically. And, and uh, again, I say say that fully well knowing that, like, look, he's just not a guy that, like, comes in, like, or even a on He's just not super cut. Like, he's not mm-hmm. a workout dude. Yeah, but yeah, he's I a know. soccer dude.
1: Yeah, I was, you know, was, so, I, I wasn't, I wasn't getting at Like, um, and being like, I think he just looked. Um, what I, I didn't notice this until I went online, and you know, I, I think if you're a LFC, like you do, like, yeah, I would have started him too, right? I, I'm, I have no coaching experience, but it makes sense to start a player. A lot of people, I think, that some of the criticism on, on that was that why didn't he come off the bench and you know certain things like that. Obviously, he's your best player, so you're gonna start yeah. him. I think the biggest thing for me was he, he, he the rhythm between him of rossi and brian rodriguez and bwp or i don't think we saw him with bwp i think he got injured at that time yeah
0: that's um, who came in for him
1: that's what came in for him. i just don't i, I just kind of wonder i know he's talented um how much time it will take him to get back in rhythm when when he does come back because i don't think i don't think we'll see him till potentially face three and i have no i have mm-hmm. no no information on that i'm just going off of yeah me, my, my of
0: knowledge control. Yeah. My, my experience with Carlos is it does take him like a game to grow into like to rhythm. Like sometimes he comes out and he'll score a goal in the first game back, but um, like I've seen him in preseason and like the first preseason game, he's kind of okay-ish. And then by the second one, you start to say, okay, I see Carlos Bella again and I, and I understand him. So I think coming off the bench will be good. And mm-hmm. I know I'll get killed for this, but also like that game back was so hot. You were there, like, yeah. man, it was just sweltering hot. Like, it should not. It was not. hot for I both mean,
1: teams, Vince. It was hot for both teams. It
0: was, it was, but but I think, and I and I, I that's this is why I get killed because when I say it's hot, it's like look, the Galaxy were still going to win that game, but <laughs> if Carlos Vela is coming in and, and he's not why, quite why, in rhythm, why
1: wear black jerseys though? Isn't the home team supposed to? Can't can't the, doesn't the home team decide what jersey you get? They a, do. What, uh, so I, why I, wear I, black jerseys though? That's that's the only thing. If you're the home team, why? And you know, it's like a hundred. Plus degrees outside the hottest day in LA. Why wear black jerseys?
0: Well, I like to do a little deep dives into this. And actually there's been some science on it that says like, it doesn't matter. It really? actually doesn't matter. Now that okay. much. Yeah. With the way jerseys are constructed. Are you sure,
1: now, okay. We might have to fact check you events. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Look, <laughs> again, it's, it's little like anecdotal, like science, but um, yeah. it, they say it doesn't matter. Oh, I think my, my ear pods just crapped out on me a little bit there. Okay. No so hear
1: I can me. Still I think we can still okay. hear you. I can still hear you. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Um, they probably, are probably just getting low on battery. Um But yeah, I, I agree with you. Look, if you're already out of rhythm and then it's hot, like, again, they're not winning that game. They didn't show mm-hmm. up for that game. Yeah. But I'm just saying from a perspective of one player, like you're out of rhythm, it's your first game back and it's hot. Yeah. Maybe you check out a little bit. And so I think that's what you saw.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, I think just, him. I think it will take him a couple games and him coming off the bench whenever we do decide to see Vela and mm-hmm. then, you know, right. He, Takes that starting role later down the season, um, yeah. that that is going to happen. I just think the the rhythm. He just looked out of the rhythm, but it's Carlos Vela. He can come back. He's a goal scorer. He's a former MVP. So I, I definitely have all the faith in him. Um, you know, coming back later this season and being a very big uh, impact uh, for LAFC. Um, as as obviously as an LAFC supporter, um, you know, obviously working with the team. How how tough is it to lose, obviously to LA Galaxy? back-to-back games and you know being shut out like you know back-to-back because i think that's a lot of what people a lot of the fans were frustrated with
0: yeah and for me you know i don't like losing period i mean i didn't like losing when i worked for the team because i would have to write about it and like (laughs) put my own put myself on the line right because because no one wants to believe me right they don't they're like you work for the team like you're just making this up but i always try to be as objective as i could um i always try to look at the bigger picture though and i look I know that some supporters would say, um, and this is not just an galaxy; this is around the world, I'd rather beat my rival every day and come in last place or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't quite see the game that way, but I understand what people do. Um, for me, what was so disappointing was in that first game, you just had a team that didn't show up. Like yeah. they just weren't there. There was no rhythm. There was no anything. Like They just seemed to give up. Um, they let the Galaxy grow into the game. They let the Galaxy take the initiative. The second game I saw a team that in the first half was very good but couldn't get – the advantage and then when they went down a goal what became frustrating was yes the red card is one thing but like just the mindset like hey man we don't have to get all back at once like don't you guys are freaking out like that's that worries me when lafc's not the same mindset because last season they would go down a goal and they would know that they could get two back this year and and they did it a little bit in that Portland game which is why again it's it's so encouraging in that Portland game they go down a goal and they they, they turn it around they score three within a, a thing within you know a short period of time. Um, but yeah, that second Galaxy game, I look at the team and I say, man, you you've so much you built so much goodwill, and then you just totally threw it all away, and you let again you let the Galaxy seize the initiative and feel like they're the better team. When I, I don't necessarily look right now, the standings show what they show, and the Galaxy have one game in hand, so they they could go above LAFC. Um, I don't think that uh, when all is said and done, that this Galaxy team is that much better than LAFC. But LAFC has giving it to them in the scoreline, so that's what gets so frustrating. You don't have a leg to stand on. When you say that, I have to go based off, like, just my eye test.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the, uh, what matters, right, obviously at the end is the end result because in that, in the first game, LAFC completely overlooked the game. In the second game, they had all the opportunities, you know, in the first half, but I've seen that game before. I was telling a couple of other media members, I was like, when one team, I think they had 14 shots and seven on goal. and LA, yeah. LA Galaxy at halftime had zero shots on goal. And then the first shot on goal in the second half was a goal. And then Mark anthony K gets that red card, and then that's when everything went downhill. I think those, when you can't capitalize on those things, that's what, you know, ends up happening. You know, the other team ends up scoring. I would give right now, right now, the edge to LA Galaxy because just obviously how they've won these last two games. I do feel that LAFC, though, has has talent and can come back. There's rumors that they're potentially going to play each other again, maybe in phase two, phase three. I don't know what you've heard. But I think there's going to be yeah. another there's going to be another game to you know potentially you know even out what the the series are, you know I think they've only played three games so far, but um you know it's going to be very interesting to to see them play four Classicals in a year and I think I know some people are not happy with that you know what's going on and I don't I don't know how much it, it does ruin the rivalry it doesn't you know it plays it out I don't know do you, do you think it hurts the rivalry with so many games. No,
0: I mean, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to do it every year. But if in this weird year they do it, um, you know, what what, what are you going to do, right? I mean, yeah, if they play it, if they play them five times or, or they play them again in the playoffs, like, yeah, it's going to be a weird year where we're like, why do we play so much? But we've seen the passion of these fans. I don't think it's going away just because they yeah. playing more times.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Let me let me ask you. Do you do do you view? I've asked a couple of media people. Do you view this MLS Cup obviously different? Do you view it like with an asterisk though? Like, do you do you view it that way?
0: Um, I think for the team that wins, they deserve it because they've gone through so much adversity, but my asterisk would be for the teams that maybe don't reach that level. I have some sympathy for them because of what they've had to go through. Uh, but the team that wins, if they go through all that adversity and they, they raise that cup, Hey, no asterisk for you, man. You're MLS cup champions.
1: Yeah. I kind of, I'm kind of on the same, I'm the same boat on that. I think. Obviously, you know a lot of teams are going through with injuries, and you know I've, the only thing I guess the biggest disadvantage now it's like the Canadian teams, which have they have to play, in another another mm-hmm. home stadiums and stuff. And I think obviously, you know, with you know some some stadiums can have fans, and some stadiums can't. Obviously, it's a very limited amount of fans. I don't know how much of that home advantage is when there's like two, three thousand people in the stands. I don't know, um, yeah. but it is you know it is somewhat a home advantage. So there's a lot of tricky things, but I think, I think everybody, I don't, I don't really see that much of an asterisk, but I think now that the Canadian teams are not playing at home, I can kind of see a little bit before I did not
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah. All right, Vince. I think that is all the time we have. I appreciate you being on for the people that already don't already follow you. Where, where, they, where can they follow you?
0: Uh, so on Twitter, I'm at LAFC Vince. That's the very easy one. Uh, the IG, if you want to check out, cause I do a little, sometimes I do a little Q and a IG shows just for fun. Um, that's, uh, it's, that's how you soccer. And in between each word is an underscore. Um, underscore. it was, it was something that was, somebody said that we used to play video games and I would and have friends that didn't know anything about soccer and they would score goals and then they'd yell, that's how you soccer. And it drove me crazy. So I, I adopted it. <laughs> Um, yeah but so check me out there and then obviously you know I, I like i said i've been doing some stuff for uh 110 football that's on youtube uh that's 110 football tv on both igs and then golteca uh which is also on uh on twitter um and you can just check out kind of the 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 reports where I and, and some written stuff i even write some things from time to time so check there those
1: out yeah there you guys have it um but yeah he's op- he's open for hire guys uh, even even la galaxy you know if, like, if you want to bring them over to the dark side um but yeah guys uh, make sure to give this a podcast a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode uh you can find us on spotify apple podcast wherever you get your music you guys can uh, find this podcast as we're growing here want to appreciate vince and also if you guys want to follow me you guys can follow me at geo garcia la on twitter and on ig so for vince this is geo guys we'll catch you guys next time Peace.